Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. All right, so that is a woman's event that's happening in Beloit um, coming up, and so I just wanted to kind of get you guys filled in on that. Uh, you can be signing up throughout February. Just go to our website. You can figure that out there. Um, so we're going to get into our sixth message in our Romans 8 series today. And truth about our life is we live in a cold, hard world. Some of you woke up today and you're like, it is cold. Um, that's just that's living in Wisconsin. Um, but we live in a cold, hard world, and many people are going to be against you at times. It's going to feel like people are against you. I remember uh, this is, man, this has got to be close to 10 years ago now. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, was at church. She had been saving up, uh, she'd been saving up a bunch of, uh, like, dollar bucks kind of stuff that they did in kids in the kids ministry at the church we were at where they could do a store just kind of like we do here at kids works she'd been saving up her her bucks for a long time so she could buy something that she wanted and I remember she she bought this thing after church one morning or one day and some kid took it from her and I, I wanted to go and hurt a little child at that point. I couldn't believe that. She probably doesn't even remember this, but like the dad of me, I remember this. And I think like how can some, how can people be so cruel to take little kid's stuff? How can, and particularly how can little kid be that cruel to do that? And the fact that she learned that not everybody's against, uh, is for you, and she learned that at church, that, that hurt me. Um, but we've all experienced situations like that where it feels like Either somebody's against us or the world's against us. And sometimes in those moments when you feel like somebody's against you, sometimes it actually brings out the best in you. Um, I remember one time, and I may have shared this story before, but it's like, it's like one of my favorite stories. I'm just going to share it, okay? Uh, but I was a kid, I was an eighth grade kid playing basketball. It was probably my favorite moment that ever happened in basketball in my life. We were playing at a, at a little town in Phillips, Wisconsin, and... We were, we were killing this team. We were on their home court. We were, man, I was feeling it that night. I was, I was scoring like crazy. Well, it gets to the second half. We're up by a ton. And I walk across half court, and I just kind of stop there. Because the defense, they're, they weren't even going to come out and guard me. So I'm like, all right, I'll just stay here. I'll stay here until they come and guard me, and we'll just dribble the clock out and win the game. And there was a 25 or so year old guy in the stands who I, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or something. And he goes and says out loud so everybody can hear him. He's like, you can't score if you don't shoot the ball. I'm like, what is wrong with you? So I just looked up at him, eighth grader. I was like four, four at the time. <laughs> I'm like, they can't win if they don't have the ball. That was good. I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, I am so cool right now. Probably not the best idea to do as a tiny little child. Um, but my favorite part about it, that wasn't even the end of it. We get, we win the game, game is done, and like a couple minutes after the game is done, maybe not even that long, this guy stands up in the middle of the crowd, and he says, I want to remind you, I'm like a 4-4 eighth grader. He says, I hate that short kid. It's like, it's like yeah, you do. Um, man, it was... 
There was so much hilarious awesomeness I thought about that moment in my life. Um, that guy, though, was not for me, right? Guy was never going to be for me. That I could have probably, like, come and lived in his town and, like, saved a bunch of children, and he would have still hated me. But that's what it is. Sometimes we feel like people are against us. Other times we feel like the whole world is against us. I, at, I was at Kids Midweek last, uh, two weeks ago. There was this little tiny kid, and he was having a tough night. And I brought him out of the hall, and he's like, I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? He's like, nobody likes me. Nobody, everybody hates me. He literally said everybody hates me as like a second grade kid. You know, and I got the chance at that moment to be like, dude, not everybody hates you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And I was able to, and by the end of the day, he was able to leave just with a smile on his face. It was actually pretty cool to see. Uh, but this feeling that everybody's against us, it is not uncommon. The chances are we've all felt it at times. Sometimes you feel like your spouse is against you. The very person who, who should be most for you. Like, why, why are you against me? Or maybe your employer. Like, everything you do, they just, they don't, they don't go for it. And so this inevitable feeling that we have that somebody's against us, um, it's a hard thing sometimes for us to deal with. And, and so today, I love where we're going to go here in Romans chapter 8. Uh, last week we talked about how God is for our good. That the Holy Spirit actually prays over us. Even when we don't know what to pray, he is, he is praying on our behalf for us. He's, he's so to our good. But today we're going to talk about uh, committing to this idea that God is for me. Um, and this is, it's going to go a little further than just he's for our good. Like, he's just, he's for me altogether. And so... Today we're going to be reading out of uh, verses 29 through 31 in Romans chapter 8. So let's read that together. It says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Before we do, do anything, uh, I'm going to pull out a word here. We're just going to talk about it for a minute and be done with it. But there's this word in this passage that is, it says predestined. Now some of you, you read, you read through that where you're like, whatever. Some of you read it, you've been in church for a long time, and that word, like, it means something to you. You've got theological things to think about that. Let me just, let me just say, we're going to keep the main thing the main thing today, Okay. Um, I don't believe that this passage is saying that God says this person is going to go to heaven, this person is going to go to hell. If you read through that, it actually talks about th this predestined, he's talking about being conformed to the likeness of his son Jesus. Not about being predestined necessarily like you're going to be saved and you're not going to be saved. Um, I, I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Jesus died so that all might have an opportunity to actually know who Jesus is. That's what we're going to say about that predestined word. We're going to move on from there, okay? So what is the main thing? The main thing in this passage is really how it shows this distinct, many distinct ways that God is actually for us. Because again, we think that people are against us, and so then we think that God is against us, and we need to be reminded of, of how much God is actually for us. And what this first verse, verse 29, actually shows us is just how much he thinks we are capable of. 
I absolutely love this verse. What he's saying is, God is for us becoming like his son. Verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now what in the world does that mean? To be conformed to the image of his son. Through his work in our lives, through our obedience towards him, he's saying that we actually get to become like Jesus. Like his perfect son. Can you... Can you just stop for a second and think about that? God is saying we are going to be, he's going to make us like Jesus. I don't know about you. I'm not there. (laughs) I am not even close to there. I can't, I can't even be like my wife. Like she's, she's like way further along to the Jesus thing than I am. Um, I think about, I can't even feel, I feel like I can't even go 10 seconds without some vile thought going through my mind. And, and God's saying that he's going to conform us to be like his son, Jesus. You ever been around a person who just, they, they're always positive about you? They're positive about different stuff? Some, sometimes I get annoyed. Like, you're too positive. Stop it. Now, I, I would not claim, my mom, I would not claim that my mom is like this overly positive. She's very much like me. She's real about stuff. But I will say this. When it comes to me as a human being, my mom thinks I'm the greatest. I, I love it. Like, I, I preach, and she's like, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard. I got super jealous because she started going to this church, a kid I played basketball with in college, and she'd all the time be like, oh, he's just like the best preacher I've heard. I'm like, what? <gasps> mom, it hurt. And then she, she realized she heard my finish. She's like, well, besides you and your dad. I'm like, whatever. You already said it. Cat's out of the bag. Ah, oh, it hurt. When I'd play ball, man, nobody else could play ball like I played ball. Um, when, I, when I started dating Crystal, she might have been the only person that was like, yeah, she's not too good for you. In fact, I think she's lucky to have you. She was lying. Um, but my, my mom thinks good things of me. And so... Uh, there's something about having somebody that, that's for your good. She might be a little crazy in how much she thinks uh, the, that I'm good. But she's exactly like that with my, with my girls today. Um, there is not a grandma in the world that thinks her, her grandkids are as good as my, my mom thinks her grandkids are. She will fight you for it. Um, she means it. Some of us look around at positive people. We think they're nuts. We look around at people who who are for us, no matter what. Man, I've been, I've been a youth pastor so many years of my life, and the kids will try to do things to just make you mad. And when I don't get mad at them, and I'm like, I still love you. They're like, what's wrong with you? I don't know, man, just love you. But we, all, we need that positive person in our lives. And this passage is saying God is for us like that. He actually thinks that you and I are capable of becoming like his son, Jesus. That floors me. So let me tell you what what that actually means. It means that God doesn't think that you stink like you think you stink. So so much of the time we we get down on ourselves and we think, man, I I, I just don't know how God could actually even want me to have a relationship with him. And that's the last thing that that God's thinking through. When we get down on ourselves like that, God's not, not nodding his head in agreement like, yeah, Kellen, you are that bad. No, it's a complete opposite. God is 100% for us. 
And it doesn't mean that he thinks that you're already there. It doesn't mean he thinks that you're already like your son. He's in the process of conforming us to be like his son, Jesus. But as a follower of Jesus, there is a promise here that I think is important and we need to see it. And he's going to see it up on the screen here. It says, God always sees the path to you becoming all that you can be in Christ. When others might only see the destructive path that you are presently on. God always sees that path to you being, becoming like Jesus. Whether you see it or not. Whether others around you see it or not. God conforming us to be like Jesus is part of this ongoing act that God has been in the process of since, really since Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. What he's doing here is God is reversing the curse. He is reversing the fall. He has taken all that once was bad and he is trying to make it good again. And it starts in you and it starts in me. And he's promising us that he is able to do it. So here's what God did to reverse the fall. He did something more than just send Jesus to the cross for you and me. He actually, and we've talked about this for a number of weeks now, he sent the Holy Spirit not just to like be this, this spirit floating around in the air. He sent the Holy Spirit into your heart. Literally sent the Holy Spirit and placed the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's how he reverses the fall. It says in Romans 8 9, we read this uh, a number of weeks back. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So he's saying, you got the spirit. Now watch what I'm going to do in your life because of it. This answers the question of how God can, can be so positively for us. And there's so much junk inside of us. He's placed his spirit inside of us. He, he is able to do the work in us because he's actually the one inside of us. Now, don't get me wrong. I think reversing the fall, uh, reversing all of the, the effects of sin, it is, it's like an uphill battle. In fact, I would say, I've always said this when, when I, about biking. I actually think it's more difficult to, to go into a strong headwind than to go uphill. Uphill, like, you can, you can just kind of chug it out. That, that wind hits you and you can't even move. Uh, there was actually a couple weeks back. This has never really happened when I, when I ran before. Headwind usually doesn't, it doesn't affect you as much running as it does biking. I went out for a run and I was running, if you know, over by the Holiday Inn. It's where, where we used to have church like five years ago. I was running and I was coming around a corner. And this mor that morning there was 20 to 25 mile, mile an hour wind just the whole time with like 30 to 40 mile an hour gusts of wind. I walked out the door and my wife's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't either. I go out, I'm going around this corner and all of a sudden, this, it must have been one of those like 40 mile an hour gusts of winds. I've never felt anything like it. I'm running, I'm going, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. Whoa, why did I stop? It literally stopped me almost dead in my tracks. I come around the corner and it blew me off. I almost fell off the sidewalk. It was the craziest thing I've experienced running before. But that is like... That is, the, that is kind of the symbol, a sign of what it's like for us trying to, to break through this curse of the fall. It's like going through a headwind. On my own, I can't do it. But here's the beautiful thing about it. That headwind, what happens when you go the other direction? Oh, a headwind becomes like your best friend. 
because now it's at your back and it's pushing you along. And that's the thing about God. God is able to take what is a headwind situation, this curse of the fall, and he's able to completely reverse it and not just block the wind for you, but he's able to become that wind behind you and push you along to, to become something that you never thought you could be. That we can actually be conformed to becoming like his son Jesus. God is for you because he's in you. God is in you because he's for you. He is saying that we have it in us because of him to be conformed to be like Jesus. He is for us in that. And he wants to get us there. I love, I love that verse, verse 29. I think it says a lot of stuff for us. Um, but let's go a little bit further. Uh, what's another way that we see in this passage that God is for us? God is for us receiving glory through his son. And we read verse 30. It says, And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. First things first. Who is doing the work in this verse? It says a lot of he's right there, right? God is the one doing all the work in us. Uh, we, have to, we have to become obedient, to, to live in obedience. But ultimately... When I think about how God is for me, man, he is, he is doing a lot of stuff. He's constantly working at something more in me. But what I, what I love is I want to I talk about that last word that he uses there. He says, it says that in him we're going to be glorified. What in the world does it mean that we're going to be glorified? Maybe you've had dreams when you were a kid. Dreams of glory. Anybody ever have those dreams? Um, I think about when I was a kid, man, I'd, I would be, I'd dream about something like I would like save somebody in town. And then you have this thing like, oh, if I saved somebody's life, man, they're going to have, a, like the whole town would have a party for me and they'd be like, Kellen's the man. Like that, I would like that glory very, very, very much. Um, I thought about, man, if I could get my team to the championship, all the girls will like me. They will, they'll give me the glory that I want, Right. Um, it's just feelings that we have. And, but don't kid yourselves. You don't just feel that when you're a kid. Unless you are all way better humans than me, you still feel it today. I, I have to write up monthly reports for my boss, Eric Henry. I hate it every month, but I do it because he's my boss. And so I write up this report, and I, I every time I hope that he reads it and he feels the need to call me and be like, you're so good at your job. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Um, Every time that my wife hears me preach, I want her to say, you know what, Kellen? If I wasn't saved, I would have gotten saved again. <laughs> like, there's something in me that wants this. And it, wives, you know it. Almost every time that your husband does the laundry or does the dishes, what does he want? He wants to be glorified for it. Like, we have this inner need to be glorified. We like it. We want people to like us. We want people to respect us. How crazy is it here that Paul is saying God is going to glorify us. God is going to bring glory to us. Like, what does that even mean, God? We're glorified because of our standing in Jesus. Verses 18 and 19 that we read a couple weeks ago. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 
See, there is a celebration that is coming that we are not just on the outside looking in. We are on the inside. We are in that celebration right along with Jesus receiving glory with him. I don't think we deserve it. I don't feel like I deserve it. But God is so for us that he wants to bring glory to us. Like that's, that's just cool. It's because God is for you. Yeah, we're going to have present sufferings, like that passage says. But there's a glory that's coming that, that surpasses it all. But I think my favorite part of this passage is actually the last verse. And it's probably the verse that you guys know the most. Um, it's, it's, a, it's one of those ones that if you memorize scripture when you were a kid, it was probably one of these verses. And it actually speaks to us in these so-called present sufferings that we sometimes have. When it's hard to see the future glory coming. And so here's the promise that we see in the last verse. The promise is this. God is for us, so who cares who might be against us? The verse actually says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now I'm pretty convinced that Christians, along with pretty much everybody else, actually struggle to believe that God is for them. It's something that a lot of us struggle with. And it might be because we don't, we don't believe that the cross that Jesus died on for us is big enough and all-encompassing enough to take our sin away. Or to like fully make us okay with God. That might be part of it. But you know what I think is actually the bigger reason why we struggle to believe that God is for us? It is because we look around and we look at the people in our lives and we see if, if even these people that I'm with every single day can't be for me, how in the world can God be for me? If he knows every dark, vile thing in me that these people don't even know. And see, we fall into the mistake of thinking that I am the sum of what others think and say about me. You are not the sum of what other people think and say about you. I want you to read this uh, as I say it up on the screen. There's a flawed thinking that goes on here. A person who is just as messed up as you are, if not more so, thinks ill of you, and so you're supposed to believe that their concept of right and wrong is infallible, thereby making it true that you are in the less than category of humans. You see what we do there? People who are just as messed up as, as we are think that we're messed up, and it affects my personal self-worth my identity. And is there even really a less than category of humans or are we all just kind of in the same boat? We get really jacked up in our, in our ways of thinking because of what other people think. We are a culture that is too easily offended and hurt by what others think. We get hurt because people think differently than what I think the world is supposed to look like. There's just a lot of hurt going on all the time. Everybody's, everybody's finding something that they can become a victim for. But most of these offenses that we feel, we need to be able to let go of them and realize how awesome and victorious it is that God is actually for us. If I could get to the place where I actually keep in my, in my mind, at the forefront of my mind, just how much God is for me, who cares who's against me? I think that's one of the beautiful things about growing up, finally, 
Like when you're grown up, you care about what everybody thinks about you. And little by little, you start to care less and less. Now, it's not like I'm not going to take a shower. I want people to like, think somewhat decently of me. I, I'm going to probably try to be kind still. But the older I get, it's like, if I'm being me and I'm okay with that, and I think God's okay with that, and you're not okay with that, I'm okay with that. I just, that was just a stream of conscience in this right there. Uh, it was like, it sounded like Dr. Seuss. I liked it. Do other people's thoughts of you matter too much to you? Some of the kids at Kids Midweek, I, I kind of laugh at them sometimes because they will, they'll come in and there, there's, a group, there's a group of girls in particular, it's drama every week. We're out in the hall just about every week with them and one of them's like, she said this about me! And then the other one's like, oh, I know, she had this look on her face at me and I can't even look at her anymore. Well, don't look at her anymore then. Well, she, she was talking to my boyfriend. You're seven. Like, stop it. But they find ways to be hurt by it, everything. And we laugh about it, but we're not much different sometimes. They aren't okay with thinking that kids think less of them. Because they need somebody that's for them. And it might be deeper than that. Maybe they, maybe they don't have somebody at home who they know beyond a shadow of a doubt is 100% for them. Here's what it all boils down to. We need someone who thinks the world of us. Every single one of us needs that. And what this passage is saying is you can stop looking for it. If you came in here this morning and you're like, man, I just need somebody who's for me. You actually can stop looking for it. This passage tells us it's God. 100%. God is for you. When everybody else is against you, there is no question about it. God is for you. If God is for me, how can I, how can I be all alone? It's impossible. If God is for me, how can I lack confidence? If God is for me, why should my past hold me back today? If God is for me, why shouldn't I look to my future with hope? If God is for me, why can't I become more like Jesus in absolutely everything that I do? God is for you becoming like Jesus. Every single day, a little bit more. So this week, when the whisperings of failure and loneliness begin to flood your thoughts, and the chances are that's going to happen at some point, because we're human, will you remind yourself that that is not how God sees you? God doesn't see you as the failure that you're feeling like you are. When you don't get everything done at work like you wanted to. When you, when you mess up as a parent. That's not the identity that God's looking at you with. When, when the hurt of somebody else's rejection weighs so heavily on your heart, will you remind yourself that God has never rejected you and never will reject you? When you feel like you've, you're never going to stop messing things up, will you remind yourself that God will never stop working to reverse the curse of the fall which causes the mess up. I want us to... Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.